Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. the Western Mazalbian podcast that remains firmly unbeaten. I'm Graham Brown and I'm here today with uh, Joe Chapman. Hello Graham, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. And Kieran Doody. Hi, Graham. And just to say that if we sound a bit weird this week, uh, this is our first try of doing it over the phone as we couldn't manage to all get together. Um, so hopefully we're still coming across loud and clear and uh, I would particularly hope so because we've got a special uh, Woodman Corner podcast. I've been giving this a lot of thoughts. We're going to put together our Fantasy Eleven. So that being... Um, uh, an eleven of the cult heroes from from the Albion since the turn of the century, uh, kind of a blend of the players that we've most liked to uh, to support and the players that sort of on mass seem to have become firm fan favourites. Uh, so, gents, you've been giving this some thought. Uh, what's, what, what's been going through your mind? Well, I managed to whittle it down to about thirty-five names, <laughs> which seems like a hell of a lot and I've got them all written down in front of me and even now I'm still fretting about whether I include the right people or not managed to get them down to 11 I have made it a 3-5-2 and kind of ended up overloading on midfielders because we discovered when we were kind of talking about this in the week that midfielders was uh, the particularly difficult place to kind of uh, make selections there were that many uh, candidates that were viable for positions in this team that have uh, kind of played there in the last in the last 15, 18 years. And it was very, very difficult. One of the trickier tasks we've had on this uh, podcast, I, I would say. Yeah, I, I found exactly the same. Well, we'll argue it out when we get there. Um, anyway, in fact, I'm making, I'm making a last minute change to my team now, which, uh, <laughs> which will come to pass uh, soon. Um, all right, great. Well, before we get we get into that, uh, there's also going to be, of course, a Bay of West Wales Albion card, right? Which I think is going to cause a lot of buzz on social media. Again, there were two tweets last time, both of which were from me. So, uh, <laughs> lots of excitement. <laughs> okay. Um, before we do, I, I'd say that our um, sort of the games that have, that have come to pass so far it's going sort of all right. We've managed to win a home game. We remain unbeaten. But there's a lot of sort of question marks that remain about the absence. So I'm going to fire some questions at you. And I'm going to start with you, Kieran, who has yep. no knowledge that I'm going to do this. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to name two Albion players and you tell me which is the better one. Okay. Uh, I'll start with you. Uh, Bond or Johnson? Uh, Sam Johnson all day long for me. I, I don't even think it's a debate. I'm not sure where it's come from. I don't know about you, but... Well, how do you characterise his performance? Because, I mean, he, gets, he comes in for a lot of stick. He doesn't get a lot of clean sheets either. Um, why are you so comfortable with it? Well, you know, he's obviously not the finished article yet, but I would argue he's one of the best in the championship still. Um, I think the, the clean sheet argument, it's, you know, it's not just the keeper. There's a bit of a confusion at the minute between man-marking, zona-marking, you know. They're still working on how to shore things up at the back. I mean, don't, sometimes, it, you know, he, he's a little bit flat-footed, but... I think we're, as a fan base, I think Albion fans are still kind of spoiled by how long we had Ben Foster for and they're expecting someone to be of his standard where we're not going to get that. I think we just need to... I mean, there's no, there's no way Jonathan Bond is in the same... should be starting ahead of Johnson. I just don't... I think he's being unfairly criticised. Oh, well, look, I, I, I would agree with that. So, so Joe, you get a slightly more complicated one. You've got to choose two from three. I'll give you three names and you have to give me uh, our two starting players. Kyle Bartley, uh, Semi Ajayi, Ahmed Hazazi. Who's the two? Well, my opinion of this has actually changed slightly since the start of the season because upon learning that Ajayi was going to miss the start of the season and Ajayi was going to come in and of course there was a suggestion that Ajayi can play midfield and just thought an addition at 1.5 million he was going to be a bit of a kind of a, a backup and that Hagazi would kind of come back in 
whenever he was fit, end of September, whenever, and rejoined Bartley in defence, who he played quite well alongside at the back end of last season. Actually, mm. now, well, I, well, well, Bartley, I always thought Bartley, 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 Bartley Well, yeah, and, and now, having seen six games, half a dozen games, I'm, I'm starting to think now that, actually, it's going to be a Garzi and a Jolly going forward, because... Ajay's been playing out of his skin. I mean, Bartley's made a few mistakes. Generally, he's been he's been okay. He's not he's not been you know it's not been like it's been mistake after mistake. Blackburn was a particularly poor game for him. Um, but Ajay is actually he's just put a serious case forward to Slambridge. I think now. Uh, I think it's been interesting, hasn't it? I mean, I, th- I think Ajay took a couple of games. So if he, if I've asked this three games in. I'd have been advocating Bartley. I honestly don't know. And I, would, I kind of, so my view on this is that I think if Albion are going to have a, re, a good, and they haven't, I mean, I, I, personally, they still haven't kept a clean sheet. So, so I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think I'd probably contest the idea that, they're, that they've done so much that they can't be dropped kind of thing. But yeah. um, my hope is that I, I think Bartley's playing at the, at the top of his game at the moment. He's sort of doing okay. I'd like to think that Jay's kind of got more, you know, if we're going to have an actual, you know, very good sense of that pairing, I kind of hope it's a J.E. because it means that he's got more to offer, if you know what I mean. But you, you kind of want that, that pair, you know, the kind of um, Terry and Ferdinand sort of thing, but the one who wins ahead and the one who cleans up behind. And actually, I think I don't think Bartley or Hagarvey are the ones who clean up behind. So I actually think there's a, there's a, there's a nice synergy with whoever it is in a J.E. However, he's got to prove it. I think, he's a, I think he's had a better last three games than he had a first three games, but I guess we'll see how that pans out. Anyway, the next question is a really tough one. Uh, and it's going to you, Kieran Doody. Uh, Nathan Ferguson or Darnell Furlong? Oh. So, yeah, you, you automatically go for Nathan Ferguson just because, you know, he's gone through the academy and you want him to do well. But, yeah, they're both playing really well at the minute, aren't they? I mean, none of them are... They're not wasting their opportunities. Um, I think, initially, you'd want to start with Ferguson, but at the same time, you don't want to give him too much too soon. Um, it's a lot to ask for him to be starting every week. But I think he'd get the nod at the minute just because of how how good he's been when he has played, and it, it you know it gives gives the whole club a lift, doesn't it? When you see an academy product doing so well, it's actually incredible. When you think about our history of, of right back, yeah, I don't know what you think about this, Joe. That, that he um, it's incredible because I mean Furlong was I'd say Furlong maybe the best player against Blackburn. We're in what a weird yeah. place we're in where we've got two good ones. It was. Uh, it's a fair point. He, he was one that really caught the eye for me. There was a few standout performances, which is particularly nice when that happens, when you're watching on and all of a sudden, rather than struggling to pick a man of the match because they've all played so poorly, you're actually struggling to pick a man of the match because there's a few serious um, candidates. And Furlong was one of them. He was absolutely rampant in the first half. I thought he, he got onto the end. of There's a couple of balls that Johnston played to him, a couple of diagonals, and then... I think it was Livermore played one as well. And the way he takes him down, he takes him in stride and he kind of just, it, the way he angles his run at, at, uh, at goal and the way that he'll have no problem taking the fullback on at the other end of the pitch. And of course he set up, um, let me think it was, it was in, in the move for the Livermore goal, I think, where he kind of pulled the ball back to Phillips and Phillips hit the crossbar and it come to Livermore eventually. Yeah. But Furlong played such a big part in that first half particularly. Um, yeah. I, I, he, he seems to have he seems to have a defensive nice as well, which is something Billich has mentioned before. He's not. Uh, he swapped Ferguson and Furlong over at Derby at half time a few weeks ago when they were both playing together. Um, but I think it going forward is is his strength. It's, it's early days with Furlong, but because uh, I had this, I think a few of us might have had this question. You know, if he's if he's if he's good enough for the Albion, why QPR the prepared to sign him for one and a half million quid? But you look at him. It's, again, it's early days. It's early days to criticise or to get too excited. But he's been tested on a few levels, and he's actually good at all. And his delivery—I've seen enough of him to know now. To know now, he can deliver a ball. There's no, there's, you know, mm. he, he hasn't done it right every time by accident. He, he looks a really class act to me. I, if I had to guess, I mean, I, I've, I've got overexcited about, about Ferguson already. But if I had to guess, yeah. he's going to take some shifting from right back. You know, when Gibbs is back, Gibbs is back. He, Ferguson's going to have his job cut out for him to get to keep him out of the team. He looks a really good player today. Yeah, what a wonderful position that is to be in. When I know. Consider the the right back, the the dearth of right backs we've had. Yeah, we're <laughs> probably going to come on to him. We're now in a bit. All right, so let's race yeah. through these. This next one's probably the most difficult. 
And it's going to you, Joe Chapman. Uh, Kravinovic or Pereira? Well, that is a tough one because I've got a bit of a soft spot for Kravinovic. The way he started playing at the beginning of the season, he caught the eye of not just Albion fans, but he caught the eye of, of neutrals as well and, and, and opposing fans. And it's um, it's a trick one, really, because he you could argue that he flattered the sieve a little bit in as much as that he's not really kind of backed it up with goals or anything. But Pereira's been given a chance in the last game and has done exactly that. He's provided two assists in the space of 20 minutes. Yeah. And he looked the real deal beyond that as well. He, you know, he could have had a couple of goals himself. And the way he kind of carries the ball, he never looks like he's in that much of a, a rush. Which is amazing when you consider that he's never played in this country before, never mind the championship. Yeah. And he just seems to have taken... It's very, very early days, you know. What do you do when you're sending down to, you know, the new den in December or wherever, you know. But I, I think that's right, actually. I mean, because he wasn't just that. It's Reading where he came on and changed the game to, to a large extent. It seems like he's got more of a cutting edge. But I, I think that's the, the, the argument for Kravinovic, I think, is that He's exactly what you just said. That I think Kravinovic will have a um, well, that won't drift out of games. If you know what I mean. If he, he, yeah. he, I think I think there's a problem that you've identified, which is that, that Pereira seems to have a cutting edge. Kravinovic hasn't been able to show yet. But I get the feeling that Kravinovic will turn up every week. You know, yeah. If, if you don't, you'll put a shift in, even if you don't kind of yeah. uh, play a part. And what do you, what do you think, Kieran? Um, I think we're lucky, really, to have two two players of that ilk. But I think that the the players for different situations in games. Um, Kravanovic will he kind of orchestrates everything doesn't he in the final third when he's playing he's good for controlling games whereas if we need an impact say we're struggling with 20 minutes to go we need a goal then Pereira's, Pereira comes on so I think as a starting player you'd go with Kravanovic because you'd want to control a game from the off but you know it's, it's a good position to be in definitely and the irony to this question has just shown they play nicely together I, I just think Pereira looks like a number 10 to me well, again nice problems to have so the final one, this comes to you, Kieran. Uh, Zahor or Austin? Oh. <laughs> uh, see, it's funny because Austin seems to, you know, he had a good debut in the Cup, but he seems to drift out of games. He seems to be a bit isolated, doesn't he? Whereas Zahor, as much as I don't think he's as good a player as Austin, he does seem to have more of an impact bullying defenders when we're, when we're relying on wingers to get forward. Yeah. Um, you'd, go, you'd go with Austin every time, but... I think Zahor's making a good case, especially in the box. I know he's not scoring from open play, it's penalties, but he um he's in, he's, he complements our midfield, which is our key strength, isn't it, really, this season? It's probably a horses to courses thing with those two, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, that, uh, that if, um, if, if a team's going to come to the Albion and just defend, that's probably an Austin game. If, if, they're, if you're playing away, you need some degree of holding up or you know, also to knit the team together, maybe Zahor. You've got a strong feeling on this, Joe? I've been. I was impressed with Zahor on Saturday. I actually gave Zahor a higher rate than Austin. Austin's gone from scoring within the first five minutes of his Albion career to all of a sudden looking like he desperately needs another. And until that comes, it's just a case of working really, really hard at it, I think, and not getting too damn beat. He's been working hard in the gym by all accounts in, in the international break, but he did. He kind of swiped at a couple um, against Blackburn and there was one or two where you just think, God, if that had just, you know, kind of gone in off his backside or something. And that's, you know, it's only after a handful of games. But obviously, when he's starting games and with the reputation he's got at this level, you want him to be on the score sheet, don't you? You want him to be on the score sheet and hitting the ground running the way Dwight Gale was last season. Although, so, do, do, any, do any of us have any doubt he'll score goals? Um, we bloody need him to, don't we? <laughs> if he's, uh, he's going to score 20 goals, and that's going to... Uh, it, rather if he doesn't score those 20 goals that we're kind of hoping for and that he wants to score himself as well then all of a sudden you've got to start think, you've got to start kind of restructuring the season and how you approach games but it's very very it's very very early days it's a boring answer but it, it's I wonder I wonder whether he just needs a, a, a stretch of games he's, he's only started a couple I think maybe so far whether it's a case yeah. of getting him in the start and eleven and, and playing, you know, the majority of ninety minutes week in, week out. Will he will he start at Fulham? Will he start at Fulham? 
based on what Sohor's done the last couple so of the, weeks. Yeah, the horses for courses argument would say that he wouldn't. I, I think I would just go full square behind Austin. I think he will score goals. And I think, I, I, I don't know whether this is Billy's thought or no, but that, that, that it would be a good time to show faith in him. Um, I, don't, I don't know about because I think you could definitely make a case with the, the reason I've just said that Zahor would be the best player there. You know, he would, you know, as I said, hold the ball up and knit, knit um, the team together well. And we're going to have less than 50% possession away at Fulham. I think there's no question about that. Yeah. Uh, it's an interesting one, that, because I think you can make an excellent case to say he should show faith in Austin. Austin's our talisman and, and, um, and we should make it, make it as such. But... I don't know. Go on. I actually, I've thought about this. I could skip it on and ask Kieran. Kieran, who would you start at Fulham? Um, I'd probably go with Sahor this week. And I, mm-hmm. I think it's a shame because I think Austin's only going to get sharper as the season goes on and he does need to run against. But while we're, while we're picking up results, I think we need to pick the team that's most capable of winning a game. And um, I think Sahor's the man that will do a better job, especially holding up. Because, you know, they're a high-pressing side, aren't they, Fulham? They're going to have a lot of possession. When we get the ball, it's going to be about keeping possession and building from there. Well, I think Zahor's the man to do that, especially again for this weekend anyway, going into the rest of the season. I think Austin should be starting, but like you said, it's horses, horses for causes, isn't it? Yeah, although on the basis that it is. And so I, mean, I, th- I think that makes sense. I think it's just that question of whether or not he wants to make Austin our talisman, you know, like, like our guy. But we'll say that pans out. So anyway, let's back to I've got a feeling this is going to be... Um, the messiest section we've ever done because we've all got different formations by the same group. We're about to talk now about the uh, the players that we've loved to watch, the, the Albion Fantasy Eleven. And this is talking about, yeah, the, the play, again, the, the, the people you've, you've enjoyed watching, but also, yeah, the strong personalities, the um, the ones that have kind of become emblematic of the Albion uh, and the ones that have kind of inspired the most um, passion amongst fans around them. Just bounce straight into it. It's not a natural um, part of uh, it's necessarily always that a goalkeeper would, would inspire uh, fans and so on. But uh, let's say, let, let, let's go into it. So all three of you name your starting goalkeeper in the Albion Fantasy Eleven uh, Fantasy Dressing Room from uh, from 2000. Uh, Kieran, who you got? I've gone, well, I've gone with Foster. It was one of two, wasn't it? But Foster gets another head yeah. of Russell Holt. Uh, well, I'll go. I, I've got Russell Holt, brackets Ben Foster. So that's you've got the casting <laughs> vote on this one, Joe. Yeah, I've gone Foster as well. I think that the kind of consensus is he's... he's uh, it was more than that, actually. I thought that, you know, Foster was a real proper character when he was at the Hawthorns. Uh, I thought he was he was more than just someone that was a, a, a fantastic goalkeeper. He was actually just he's someone that interacted with fans. And I think um, up until the minute he did an absolute U-turn on his future, I think... Uh, he was just adored for that reason as much as, as much as his performances. To be honest, I've also I've also jotted down Dean Carley only kind of sentimentally, really, because uh, I, I kind of bearing in mind the period in his career where when he arrived at us and what he did to help us get back up in, under Tony Mowbray. Thought yeah, he was worth a mention. Uh, I know this, you you asked me just but so I've been in crowds before when Dean Carley sworn. At us. So I so, so I remember that. <laughs> so, so Foster mate. Uh, controversially, uh, our eleven. But didn't the way that Foster leave us leave a bitter taste? You made me. We also uh, think about Foster. We said it on this podcast. He ain't going to leave. He's a Midlands boy. He don't want to leave the Midlands. Blah 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 blah. Yeah. And then first opportunity to leave, he leaves. Is that does that not leave a bitter taste in either of your mouth? I think the cl- uh, a lot of that was to do with behind the scenes at the club, wasn't it? Um, more than him himself wanting to leave. I think the more that comes out since he's left, I think you can forgive him. He's still obviously he still obviously checks to see how West Brom are doing as well. You can see on Twitter he's tweeting about Albion every every other week. So, um, and of course, taking the Mick out of Wolves when they won in the semi final. You know, he's still, yeah. he's still an Albion fan. So, he's, he's also, still, you know, in, in I reckon in fifty years' time when this podcast is still going, you know, it's got to <laughs> listener. Uh, ben Foster will still be the best goalkeeper who's ever played for Albion. So, so I mean, there's, yeah. there's a nice synergy to play. So I'm happy to be overruled for that. So what? So um, I've just changed to a back three. Uh, Kieran, what have you got? See, I've got a back four, but now when I heard you say in the dressing room, this player might not get in. So I'm changing my mind again. <laughs> so this, who have you got? What position and who is it? This is right back. I've gone for Eagle Ballis. Um, yeah. Basically just for that penalty at Bradford. Um, you know, the, the modern football fan seems to be obsessed with limbs at the minute on Twitter. And 
I've never seen limbs like it. That that not just in the away end either. There was West Brom fans all over the all over the stadium, and it was. I mean, you're struggling to beat that feeling again. I think so for that for that reason alone. I mean, it doesn't. Nave said in the dressing room and he couldn't speak English. It doesn't really sit up. But, oh, right. <laughs> but it's more than that. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. this isn't a, a really clearly defined premise. But I think Ballis, so I thought about Ballis, it's just that I, I opted for, for someone else in the end. Because I do think he encapsulates the kind of, he still encapsulates the kind of premise of this, which is that fans love him. Yeah. It's like the fact that he didn't speak, he, he came at a time when we didn't have, we didn't have that many foreign players, we didn't have that many foreign flair players. Yeah. Fans loved him. They they loved it, especially in the Megson team. He was he was um he he, he kind of stood out. So he, he did fit into this uh, to this style. However, um, uh, I did, so I thought in terms of right back, there was him. I thought about I thought about Stephen Reid, who I thought um mm. uh, who I thought yeah was a, was a leader of the dressing room. He's obviously he's obviously kind of come back since and you know a really really um kind of strong personality. But uh, but I opted against the right back. As did you, by the sounds of by the time Joe. Um, I went I went for a battery three, which I'll bounce into. Uh, so the reason why I dropped the right back is I decided I wanted to get Paul Sharna in there. I thought this, the nature of this team dictated yeah. that, that he was the right sort of person to have in there. And I coupled Paul Sharna with uh, Darren Moore and Gareth McCauley, who might go down who's in the top three Albion players ever. Uh, Joe, what's your battery? Well, yeah, I've got Gareth McCauley as well. That was an absolute given. Uh, I've just thought that everything about McCauley, really, when he signed and the... I'll never forget the kind of the, the, the reaction or lack of reaction when he signed was just the case of, you know, why we signed this bloke from Ipswich. It was so underwhelming. Yeah. Never played in the Premier League before. He's 31. So despite being a centre-back, he's probably about his best. And he defied everybody, every single person at the Hawthorns, I think. Not a single person would have predicted that he'd still been there eight years later, seven years later, whatever it was. Yeah. Having scored however many Premier League goals and helping us to top our finishes and everything. So I've included McCauley because that's a given. I've also included Jonas Olsen because Jonas Olsen was just, I mean, how could you not? Oh, well, Again. So well, okay, you've answered that in very, very bluntly. <laughs> but honestly speaking, I just thought, again, for the money he signed for, uh, the lack of Premier League experience he brought to the table before he arrived, his reputation, bar his final ever game at Tottenham, which was horrific, uh, by the time he'd left, uh, the fact that he was able to come back, the fact that Albion actually arranged for him to come back and say his goodbyes, bearing in mind he left halfway through the season, I think tells you everything you need to know about how much he was he, he was loved. And, of course, Macaulay and Olsen together were terrific and got on like a house on fire. So, I've included those two. And I've also gone with another kind of left-sided centre-back, come left-back, and that's Neil Clement. Yeah. So, so, so you haven't named Darren Moore in your top uh, Albion line? No. But, line of, of, what a snub. I know. It was going to be awkward, wasn't it? <laughs> Uh, yeah, correct. well, I, I did that as a bracket. I put brackets, gentlemen. So actually, let's get, this is an interesting thing, actually. So, so you're right, and clearly, Joe, I'm, I'm about to be controversial because I'm the person on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, Olsen was a, good, was, a, was a terrific guy and a great servant and someone who um, who really kind of put it into the Albion. But wouldn't we couple Olsen along with Paul Robinson as someone who would have left the Albion in a heartbeat had the opportunity of a risk? Joe Chapman. Um, I'm not so sure, actually. No. I'm really not so sure. Uh, where was he? Where would he have gone? I mean, he lived in London. He was constantly linked with moves to London teams. There was Tottenham for a while, wasn't there? Yeah. When he was, when he was, when he was particularly in his prime. Uh, yeah, West Ham. I just, I just don't think he was, he was pushing hard enough for a move if he, if he wanted it. Whereas Robbo tried and failed. Best held between his legs and then left anyway. So we're gonna we're gonna argue about the defence. So Kieran, do you want to complete your defence? Who are your yeah. two centre arms and your left back? Well, I've gone with Darren Moore, um, Jonas Olsen, and then Neil Clement again at left back. You haven't named Macaulay. Macaulay was very close, but I just think you've got one cent. You got one centre back in Moore that basically turned us into a Premier League team. You know, it was it was abs- it was a rock, wasn't it, in that promotion season? Then, of course, you got that ridiculous celebration when he scored against Palace. 
Then, then what he did after. Joined the Villa fan and left an Albion fan. Yeah. Then you got Olsen that basically did the next stage of the job. He, he was there for a decade and I'm pretty sure, you know, he stayed, he stayed with the club when they got relegated. If he really wanted to, wanted to force a move, he could have. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure he did just, you know, he was quite, he was involved in every aspect of the club, wasn't he? He wasn't, you know, he was always at functions and stuff with fans. So, and then obviously Neil Clement, just because it, I think it didn't miss two league games in two seasons when we lost in the playoffs to Bolton. And then when we got promoted the following season and he was, you know, he was in the team of the year, both years, he was in the PFA team of the year. So I don't see how anyone could beat him at left back, especially when he spent a decade at the club. Yeah, it sounds like we're going to play. It sounds like we're going to be forced into a back three here. So I think, yeah. I think does Clement need to compete in, in anyway? <laughs> so this is difficult because we've all known two people, uh, which makes things rather difficult, doesn't it? Um, I'm going to so I'm going to throw some things out there, and you can fire me down. Darren Moore should be in this team, shouldn't he? Okay. Surely, to goodness, Darren Moore makes this team. I, mean, I can't argue with it. I can't argue with it. If you're going to overrule the U2, I, <laughs> there are worse names out there to be overruled by. Do you know what I mean? He's a living legend, isn't he? I'm not sure. Surely he starts. That really honestly only means that you've only got one room for one of them, Holly Olsen. Yeah. So, so because we've got three, what, on the basis that you would say Clement comes in before either of those two? Uh, well, you need a left-sided player then. I mean, tactically. So we're going to try. So we try all right. So, all right. Neil Clement goes left, left-sided uh, uh, centre-half. Uh, who's the other one then, gents? You can argue it amongst yourselves. Do you know what, the more you, the more you talk about it, I think Macaulay does deserve a slot, doesn't he? To be fair, just because uh, of how how much of an underdog he was. Massive, massive fan favourite, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, Mac, yeah. All right. Yeah, he might have to get the nod. So we've got our back. So, so we're going wing backs now. Um, okay, uh, which which he's throwing you, he's throwing Kieran's like something for the purple on the basis that he didn't have wing backs. So <laughs> John, tell us who your wing backs are. My wing backs are the least defensive pair you've ever come across. <laughs> In terms of, uh, you know, actual defending, they, that's just not a thing for these two. Uh, I've got Jason Kumas on the right-hand side. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the idea of him back, tracking back and covering McCauley at this point is, uh, well... Yeah, but it's McCauley, you don't need it, you don't need cover. I know, but I can't see McCauley getting across too often to right-back. But anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, going to have rampaging Jason Kumas down the right-hand side, and on the other side, I've got Zoltan Gira. Oh well, this is interesting. I've got a feeling that uh, so, so I, 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 I had I've got Kumas on the right as well, but I've got him brackets Zoltan Gear. So, so he gets nod, he gets uh, he gets kicked out by Kumas, which we can discuss in a moment. And on the left, I've only got one choice. Uh, it's Chris Brunt, uh, and uh, I'm about to pass to Kieran, who obviously <laughs> exactly the same. Well, I I could have had nine in midfield to be fair, but I did whittle it down to four. But I've gone the same. I've got Kumas on the right, and obviously Chris Brunt on the left. First first name on the team sheet. Is Chris Brunt not in your team, Joe Chapman? Oh, no, but... That's scandalous. I think if this was based on my team, because I was led to believe that the kind of the idea was that we'd be picking based on the consensus of the fan base. Yeah. And I think 12, 13 years on, I personally still can't quite get my head around it, but he is still dividing opinion massively on a grand scale. He's, this is a really good conversation to have, actually. Yeah. I'm glad we're having. Isn't that because um, he's such a part of the furniture? You know, isn't, isn't yeah. it almost... I've always thought it's almost kind of um, faint praise to Chris Brunt that he gets kind of criticised, almost because you criticise him like, you know, you know, like you would say of your brother. I can say that about it, but you can't. That's what it's like. You, know, you wouldn't have anyone else swag off Chris Brunt. Would your Albion fans do it? But we love him, don't we? So, uh, <laughs> you love it, we know this. I just, I, I'm not sure the fans were divided on him, you know, eight, seven, eight years ago when he was playing with... Oh, God, no. no so, was... I think what it is now is he's obviously passed his best and it's not his fault. The club have relied on him for too long and the, the fans are using him as a scapegoat when everything goes wrong, in my opinion. Um, he's played in how many different positions? He plays centre-mid, left-mid, left-back. Um, I just think... It's, He's absolutely he's integral to this club actually since the turn of millennium. He's like he's the face of the club, isn't he? I don't see how he can't be in the team. He's also the antithesis of that poor funny enough, Paul Robinson is a he's a bracket in, in, in mind, so almost he's the the opponent of Chris Brunt. Yeah. And actually the antithesis of, of that in his Albion career for me in that I actually believe Chris Brunt probably has had opportunities to leave and hasn't taken them. 
yeah. Point, yeah. strikes me as a gen. Of my eleven, because I'm not, I'm not in Joe's category. There were times, you know, that we, when he's banging those penalties in the Premier League and blah blah blah, where, where you know he was, he, he become that sort of fan's favourite. So, I'm, I'm not, I'm not where Joe is on. I'm, I'm sorry, Joe, where Kieran is on this necessarily. However, when I look back at my team, I think which one of those cares the most about the Albion. I actually think I put Brunt ahead of Moore in that regard. He he has he's absolutely willfully taken on that role as the kind of father of the team. Yeah. And yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Kieran, I think he has to be in, even ahead of Kumas. Uh, he has to be in there. I mean, I, I, unless you can shout us down, Joe. We've got our left wing back in place again. Again, I've got no issues having Chris Brunt in that team. He's in. You'll be delighted to hear. Yeah, he's got to go. He's captain as well, by the way. He's captain. <laughs> I saw him. I saw him pre-season just on Brunt. I saw him pre-season in the field with Tullock, Edwards. No, not Edwards. Tullock, Harper, and Lecker. And you want to see him like absolutely rollicking them if they were chasing things. And he's properly oh, really? like he's getting close to like Gareth Barry level. <laughs> kind of you know his movement, of his influence, and his age, and his, his everything. Just the way he runs games at that level, and. Um, yeah, he's just, he, he's proper, he's like a proper senior pro now. It, you know, he really, he, that, he really heartens, so again, it's a different, it's a different sort of um, heartstring that he pulls at, but I'm glad that, that Brunt's there, because for a long while, I was that Albie, despite everything, had good people at the team, you know, and that's for a long time. Megson started good people, and, and that, that kind of, um, for a long time, and, and, and McCauley, I'd count in that, I used to, at Foster, I'd count in that. Brunt is the archetype, he might, he, he's made millions and millions and millions out of football, but I don't think it's changed him, he's a good bloke, he's, and, and, and I think um, that's something that we should really celebrate, really. It's not just the fact that he's a good bloke, he's actually a, a really good footballer as well. I mean, not as much now, but I mean, how many managers has he played under and have all found a way of starting him? Um, I, think, yeah. I think he's a very underrated player, actually, as well. I think it goes yeah, under the radar. That's key, actually, that's key, actually, that managerial point, because yeah. on the flip side, Burke has had four managers, none of them have managed to get him into the team. So yeah. that tells you really where Brunt is, that versatility and the, the experience and the quality he's got that every single manager that we've had, Pepe Mel, Alan Irving, everyone yeah. wanted to include him. Completely different styles. We're not going to name Monica Burke in your team. <laughs> feels weird. We um, talked about him last week. <laughs> so, uh, so let's just get... Complete the loop. Joe and I both have two uh, maths as a right wing, <laughs> which, which I'm aware is going on. Uh, no, I've, I've picked him in my four man midfield as well, so I'm happy for him to go in. He was, he was actually probably the most naturally gifted footballer I've seen at West Brom. He was um, the way he used to cut inside from the wing and just caress it into the far post. He seemed to score every game with it, so. Um, I've never seen a player that gets the whole crowd on the feet as soon as he picks up the ball. It was just. Majestic, really, brilliant. Yeah, I think I think it'd be obscure. No, the more I think about it, the, the more I think it would be obscure. Considering that the confines of this was that um, that it was a twenty first century player. Yeah, I actually don't think there's another player like that in the twentieth century. That twenty first century that, that, that has united Albion fans without having to discuss it. That the first ever Albion game I reviewed was that was Albion away at Forest, where where Kuma scored two. I've still never seen anything like that. The player that appeared to have played a different game to everyone else on the pitch that. That, that was so outrageously more talented than everyone else around him. That I, I, mean, I don't know, but I get the impression even the Nottingham Forest fans were enjoying seeing themselves absolutely ripped apart. So he, he needs to be in there. Yeah. More importantly, talking about things that a modern Albion fan celebrates, it's time for Play Your West Bromwich Albion Cards, right? <laughs> Are you ready, gentlemen? <laughs> I've only tuned in for this. So, yeah. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know, you're morons, but, uh, but this, is, this is a game like what Play Your Albion Cards, right? Where I say a number and Joe and Kieran have to guess whether or not the next one is highest. So I'm going to start, as I will every single week, with Gary Megson. Um, Gary Megson played for 10 football clubs, according to Wikipedia. All these stats are Wikipedia and wrong, but Wikipedia. So... When Nathan Ferguson joined the Albion, was he older or younger than 10? Uh, Kieran Duden. Oh, I'm, I'm going to say younger. Joe uh, Chapman. This is really obscure. I'm going to say older. 
this Joe got everyone right last week, and yet uh-huh. the first one wrong, Joe, no, according to Wikipedia, was along those lines, was eight when he joined the Albion. Yeah. So, uh, so Nathan Ferguson is, we're now at eight. Nathan Ferguson was eight when he joined the Albion. Um, Joe Chapman, the next one, we're on eight. He's Harvey Barnes' goals for Albion last season. Higher or lower than eight? Oh, I think he was just shy of double figures. I think he got nine. I'm going to go higher. Kieran? I think he got, yeah, I'm going to go higher as well. How, how very Joe that Harvey Barnes good nine. <laughs> so you're absolutely correct. Uh, so we're on nine. We're on nine. The next one is Larissa Gerdson's squad number. Kieran oh. is quite young to remember Larissa Gerdson. Uh, is it higher or lower than nine? Oh, wasn't he? I'm going to say lower. You're going to say lower, Joe? I'm going to say higher. Was he about 20 something? Well, I, I like these moments when, when the fact that I'm a lot older than you is a bit for me. Uh, you're right, Joe. Ah, of course he is. His squad number was 17. Uh, 17. Oh, no, I'm think, I think I'm thinking of Thomas Gardner. So. Was yes. he 24? Thomas Gardner, I'm almost certain, was 24. Back in the day when I could be bothered to remember such things. <laughs> How many goals did Jeff Forsfield score for the Albion? Higher or lower than Wow. Well, Joe Chapman. Well, look. Well, that is the question. He was there for, let me think. He played with Lee Hughes, he played with Kevin Campbell, played with Carno. Um, I think he's lower. Lower than 17, you're saying? Uh, I think. Kieran Duda? Lower than 17. Yeah, I think it is as well. I, th- I think he got like just over 10, didn't it? 13, 14. Well, you're, well, you're both correct to say lower. He scored 15 West Bromwich Albion goals according to the statistics I managed to find. Uh, so, I can't even understand how I've written so We're on 15 now. <laughs> yeah. um, are there more or less... Oh, yes, I get it now. Are there more or less Albion players that have um, played for the Albion under the age of 18 that doesn't include 18 according to the statistics that I could find? More or less than 15. Uh, Kieran Doody. That what under the age of eighteen when they played for West Brom? So, so Albion players age seventeen or below, uh, according to the statistics. I was, I'm going to say in the history of the Albion is probably wrong, but according to the statistics, I defined uh, more or less than fifteen. <laughs> See, going back to like 1901 and stuff, I'm guessing there's a few. Uh, we'll go lower. Was it, let's say lower. Lower than than fifteen. Uh, Joe Chapman, higher or lower than fifteen? I'm going to have to go higher, because yeah. like, that is, I mean, I'd, have you spent all week trying to work this question out? Forget the rest <laughs> no, of play your cards and, and, and wrong. This question? That's why, that's why I'm a bit wary of it, really, because it's probably not right. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go higher, but, uh, anyway. You're going higher. Okay, well, Kieran, you're correct. There's a problem with this game, because I've been marking who's going higher. I don't know who's going to win at the end. But you're right, there's 12. So the last one was on 12. That's the number of Albion players that are probably wrong, but um, played under the age of 18. Uh, did Andy Johnson play more or fewer games for Wales than 12? <laughs> oh. Oh, sorry. Uh, uh, Joe Chapman. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to say more. Yeah, I'm going to say more. What are you saying, Kieran? It's got to be more. He's playing for over 10 years, wasn't it? It's got to be more than 12. Yeah. Loads less than you think. Um, 15. <laughs> so you're right. You're 15. Right. It's more. Uh, God, I have no idea one. who won that game, other than to say that Joe was better last week. Like, <laughs> so, I think um, Dooley got a couple more right than me this week. I'll say that. I'll say that. Anyway, so that's it. Uh, more of that next time we uh, actually manage to record a podcast. We're going to bounce back now into the central midfielders and how. How incredible is the list of potential central oh. players, given the kind of scope of this list? Of this list. Um, so, I'm going to start, uh, well, you know, I'll name my three, and I've got one that I'm absolutely not being argued out of. Uh, <laughs> so, my three are Derek McInnes, who, uh, who I oh. is my captain, not Chris Wood. Um Andy Johnson, who's my one who's not coming out of the team, and Yusuf Malumbu. Oh. Uh, Kieran, who you got? Well, I'm going to quickly mix it up because I had a 4-4-2, but I'm going to go Gira. Um I've cheated the system a little bit because he's more of a 90s player, but he didn't leave till 2001. So I'm going to say Richard Sneaks. Yeah. And I'll chuck Malumba in as well in that three, if I'm going to pick. 
I haven't actually picked. I've picked a quite modern group of players. I say modern. It was probably halfway actually. I've picked Malumbu as well, so we can. So Malumbu's in, of course. Rely on Malumbu, uh, and then I've gone for a couple of players who just made up the midfield of uh, my favourite season as an Albion fan, and they are Super Jonathan Greening and Super Robbie Curran. Oh, crikey! Well, Greening, Greening was was on the periphery of mine, but let me school you two a little bit. <laughs> Firstly, Andy Johnson was the first guest from the corner. Yeah, you've forgotten rather too. <laughs> with his chickens. In the confines of this of this uh, game, the spirit of the club, players that we love to watch, players that lived and breathed the club, that that um, you know put their head in where it mattered, that that that, that were the uh, the counterbalance, they, they had the counterweight of the fans on the pitch. Surely, to goodness, Andy Johnson should be the same, isn't he? Someone tell me why not? Because uh, Richard Sneak should be in it. That's why. Have you noticed how Richard Sneak's Jonathan? Green and Robert Carr and Andy Johnson have all got gorgeous hair. Yeah. I think that does help, to be fair. Is that hair envy that we've all got here? <laughs> this is, this can be, I'm actually really... I like the idea of Richard Sneak. So, so I'm going to say why I don't... Why, I'm, why I'd love... I don't... So he, he counts. He was there in 2000. However, uh, Sneakers wasn't really a, 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 an Albion fan's favourite. He kind of was. But, you know, his, his moment was pre-2000. He... Um, Okay, a bit like Ballish, but for ten times as much. We just never had really seen a player of that nature. We were terrible at the time. He came from Bolton yeah. when you two were about three, and, <laughs> uh, and kind of was just kind of transformational. And then Gary Mason turned up and noticed he didn't train. Um, but uh, I, I, I don't know. That's an, that's interesting. I actually I actually prefer your picks to um, to Joe's, which, who I think he wasn't necessarily paying attention. Are you really saying that Robert Curran should be the team before Andy Johnson? You, uh, you get the brief. I got the brief. I actually think if you put a, oh, maybe I'm pandering to the younger generation of fans, but if you put a poll out on Twitter, I think you get Robert Curran getting more votes. We're gonna have to poll this after. Then Andy Johnson. I'm not sure he would. You know, not over Andy Johnson. Um, I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying. I think Robert Curran would make a lot of people's team. Well, this is going to be good. So, so we haven't got any other matching ones then. You, you've got um, we no. have number easy. Uh, so no one else had McKinney's. That's incredible. Let me tell you some stories about Derek McKinney. He took a pay <laughs> to come to the Albion. Yeah. He, he was he was transformational from a team that was terrible to a team of winners who who cared, who who were uh, who, who who knocked other more costly teams out of the way. Just by virtue of caring about winning more than they did, he, he, he set a philosophy in the Albion that uh, that served us well for decades after. And he should be the captain of this team, not only in the team, but the captain of this team. Surely, uh, this is a I, I, I've got to say, I, I, I bracketed McInnes particularly yeah. because that was the one where I just thought, at the very, very least, he needs to be mentioned and argued because of what he of what he did during his time at the club. Um, so, so I'd bracket yeah. Gira as well. Do you know what? I mean, I don't know whether or not we could do this kind of ganging up. Uh, are we kicking out Robert Corrin? I, I think okay. so. I think so. Yeah. And Definitely. Joe, uh, neither of you had Richard Sneakers in brackets, so we can kick him out. <laughs> However, uh, Gira is part of the conversation. Uh, Gira, Gira was was. was Part, part of who I was thinking about, and I had two, two eras at the Albion. Yeah. Definitely, definitely um, is relevant to the premise of this. You know, a player that Albion fans came to love, cult hero. Uh, I'm, I'm feeling that because I don't know how we're going to do this. Uh, but he's not a midfielder. He's not a, he's, 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 yeah, he's a wide player. I, I, meant, I named him on the wingers before you vetoed Brunt. I named him on the left wing because I thought, well, I, I don't understand how you can have him in a centre of field. He never plays centre of field for Albion. This is going to be difficult, lads. How, how are we going to get there then? Go on, Unless let's, you play gear in the nine hole. Now you want central midfielder that has to play. I've got, a few, I've got a few here that I've written down. So the midfielders I, I've written down that I considered, and this list includes Shana, uh, also included Darren Fletcher and Graham Lawrence and yep. James Morrison, obviously. I was going to say, we haven't even mentioned Morrison yet. <laughs> no, but I, I, I think Morrison warrants mentioned, but I think it would be interesting that none of us have picked him. I don't... I don't know that necessarily he was ever a cult hero. He's just a, he's a player with um, 
that everyone lied and and and, um, and had longevity to it. But yeah, in the same way, the, the thing we're describing about you know that, that thing you were saying about um, Christians, you know, uh, Morrison and the younger Bradmans, never necessarily got the sense that Mar- that Morrison was that player. Yeah. You know, it's more of a kind of a um, someone who kind of looks after himself. I don't know where, how we're going to name this team now, you know. Uh, I, I think Gira should go behind the front two, because I think we've all named him, haven't we? You named him, Gira. Yeah. Gira right. is in. We've got one more slot left. Uh, so I, so let's each make our case. I'm going to say, do you know what? I'm going to go, no, I'm saying it. I'm saying Andy Johnson. What are you saying, Joe? Uh, well, if you're already going to kick out Robbie Cara, which I think is <laughs> incredibly harsh, I'm going to... Insist that Jonathan Greenan at least gets a look in. I thought Greenan, Greenan was Mowbray's like kind of captain, and the way he was able to transform himself from a winger that just kept cutting inside and cutting back out again constantly, he'd love to step over, didn't he? Yeah. The man who would do that in the in the kind of the Brian Robson era, and then became just this absolute wizard in midfield who would like. Hit sixty-yard diagonal balls, and midfielders couldn't get near him in the championship. And then he managed to kind of perform as well to a, a decent level in the Premier League as well. And then, very much, unfortunately, very much like uh, like Robbo, kind of got his move back. And again, like like Foster, could you really complain too much when a Premier League team comes calling for you? It's a tough one, isn't it? Yeah, I, I actually. I'll give him a pass on that. I don't, I don't. I don't think his departure was necessarily. I think. I think it was good for everyone and uh, and done in the kind of right spirit. All right. So, Kieran, you have a choice. You can select Jonathan Greening or uh, or Andy Johnson, or you can introduce a, a new name. What are you saying? Oh, I'm, I'll stick with the Battle of the Barnets for Greening and um, Johnson. I think Greening might get another head of Johnson. You know. Oh my God. <laughs> Go on, just, you, while I type that out, you just decide why Jonathan Green should be ahead of Andy. Just as as Joe said, he kind of he kept reinventing his game to fit around the club. I think that's fair. Let's let's let let's let Jonathan Green in there. He, he's uh, the only captain who's um, who's lifted out anything to note in all the time. We've been there, and, and and there's lots and lots of reasons. You know, he's much loved behind the scenes. So let's keep him in. Uh, so that leaves us with two strikers. Mm. Uh, I've only got three names on my list, uh, but anyway, I'm talking to goes first. Can someone else name their strikers? Okay, I'm going to name the first one because the second one, now I know what we're actually picking for, he doesn't get in. But Kevin Phillips is the first one, 100%. Uh, well, Kevin Phillips is in my team as well. Uh, Joe, is he in yours? Kevin Phillips is in my team. Yep, we're all good there. Kevin Phillips, who makes it despite the fact that we've got a long, long history of uh, been screwed over by signing players from Villa, you know, the likes of, um, <laughs> of Luke Moore and so on, but, yeah. but just, just... And Ricardo hey. Schimmicker. Yeah, oh, God, yeah. Be, I, I basically, there was a time where I basically knew trying to play for Villa. Um, and Nicky Shorey. Yeah, uh, but, but he, he confounded that. Okay, well, that was easy. Easy. Now, yeah. I've only got two other names, uh, but they're pretty easy. Um, the one is Peter Odenwingi, who, who we loved, and I think history started to serve better. However, very, very easily, my second centre-forward in the Albion, post-2000 team, is Bob Taylor. But I'm yeah. going to start to type now, unless anyone else has got some reason to stop me. Uh, Kieran, Joe, <laughs> you've named Bob Taylor, surely? I've named Bob Taylor on my big list. I've <laughs> also, I've, I've, I've got an honourable mention, uh, and I've got no intention of making a case for him, but I just wanted to mention him anyway. Uh, as a kind of fan favourite, was Mark Antoine Fortuné. For yes. about two years, he was absolutely adored by what he... He was just the epitome of a striker who didn't score goals, but the job he did for a couple of years um, and the way, again, you know, the way he would play anywhere he was asked and that kind of thing, uh, I thought he was I thought he was worth mentioning anyway. Uh, also, beyond that, the most controversial name I'm going to chuck at you this is uh, probably the... Apart from Chris Brunt, the most recent player to play, probably, I think, looking at the team. Uh, that's Dwight right. Gale. You're not, are you, Joe? You're not, you're not suggesting that Dwight Gale goes in a team that Bob Taylor's not in it. You, 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 you're not saying that. <laughs> Tell me you're not saying that. <laughs> I'm talking about players who were absolutely adored. I've never known a lone player. I've, I've never known a lone player who kind of 
be loved by the Albion fans if he's one of their own, like Dwight Gale? Well, I've just been sick of my throat a little. Uh, Kieran, uh, what is your argument for not having Bob Taylor in the stand? Uh, I can't think of one at the minute. <laughs> Basically. That's probably, that's probably wise. Someone will literally smack you down. <laughs> my, my first choice was actually Adam Wenger at first, just because of yeah. how loved he was. Bob Taylor, yeah, I think Bob Taylor gets a nod for me. Do you know what? It's so obvious he's going in. Yeah, but I feel like I want, I want to give you a harder time about this. But go on, as soon as, as soon as you've relented, yeah, and you've let one of the old boys say it. Yeah, so Bob Taylor, who um, remains a, uh, a, a, a firm friend of the of the club, and uh, came in at a time where yeah, we're really low. We've lost recently lost um, uh, John Goodman as a striker. I remember having a conversation with my dad, I think, a couple of the time, saying, you know, we've, we've definitely replaced him. And had laughing at me, and I remind him of this so many times. Uh, definitely deserves to be there. We've got both of our scorers now against the Bricks when Albion were promoted, and uh, and both examples of players who came to the Albion with no affiliation to the club and left it as, you know, they, they love us as much as we love them. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we won that through. Uh, and that's why I think signed to the bench next to Peter Odewingi and Andy Johnson. So let's go through it then, because we might be here forever. So our team that we've managed to uh, agree on is um, Foster and Goal, a back three of Gareth McCauley, Darren Moore, Neil Clement. We've got some questionable wing-backs, but, but we managed to leave them in. Chris Brunt, who I think we've probably agreed is captain. Yeah. More greening. Um, Jason Kumas, uh, Yusuf Malumbu and, Gre- and Jonathan Green holding a midfield, allowing Gira to get forward to support Kevin Phillips and Bob Taylor. That's not a bad little lineup there. The, um, oh, I don't think there are going to be any complaints with that. <laughs> I think Derek McInnes, Derek McInnes, Derek McInnes at the Todd is probably kind of listening to turning purple, but other than that. Yeah, it's, it was particularly difficult at central midfield. We've had some, I mean, like, like I said, the, the, uh, the fact that Andy Johnson didn't get from the play. The fact that James Morrison didn't get consider, you know, the, the, his, his, his longevity at the album is almost unheard of in modern times. Uh, you know, just just spoke volumes about the kind of nature of the player that, that we've had there. I, I actually, uh, I really, really, really love Sean Gregan, but um, to argue for him, uh, you know, he's kind of fit that. We've had so many players, and that's very fortunate in that regard. But anyway, we have that scene. You'll, uh, we can stick it out on social media and let people um, let people debate it. Uh, but in the meantime, you've probably got jobs to go to, so let's, uh, so let's move on. We appreciate your joining us this week on Woodman's Corner, and we will see you again soon.